Good morning, church family. If you have your Bibles, if you will, go with me to the book of John chapter 4. And today, we're going to be finishing up this series that we've been in, and we're going to finish up this story. So go with me to John chapter 4, beginning with verse 28. And this is what it says. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Well, church family, like I said, we're here. We have made it to the end of our Exalt series. And through the series, um, this is week five, we have learned so much. And the story of the Samaritan woman and Jesus has taught us a lot. Uh, the first thing that it taught us, which is what we studied on week one, is that everyone is welcome to worship. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or where you're from. You are welcome to join the family and join in worship. God wants you to be a part of it. Also in week one, we learned that worship begins and ends with God. Worship should be centered around God. Everything that we do should be to glorify God. It's not about us. You see, we have a part to play, but it's all about God and his revelation. Then in week two, we learned that we need to allow Christ, uh, when we come into worship, we need to allow him to examine our hearts and when we do that, he will bring us out of, of desperation, and he will bring us into the freedom that he offers. You see, worship is about us coming to God in desperate vulnerability and allowing God to cleanse us and to bring us out of the darkness and put us into the light. And then in week three, we learn that the importance of our response. You see, God has revealed to us who he is and how much he loves us, and he offers us this cleansing of our hearts, and he brings us into communion with him but we have to respond to him. We have to come into the family. And then last week, we discovered the importance of worshiping, not just with our external gestures, you know, coming on Sunday morning and, and singing and, and praying and praising. All that is so important. But Jesus said and has called us to worship, not just with the external, but in the spirit and in truth. It's about worshiping from the heart, having a true heart of worship and learning to have, make worship into a lifestyle. And so here's what we have. We have God's revelation, and then we have uh, us allowing God to examine our hearts. Then we have our response to that, and, and part of our response is a lifestyle of worship. And so now what? Well, now comes the result of our response. You see, when we decide to come to God in worship, and, and he examines us and transforms us, and, and when our response is to worship in the spirit and in truth, there will be a result to this. And the result of our response, and this is so important, listen to me, is a community impact. George Sweeting, I was reading, I was reading a book this week, uh, George Sweeting in his book, The No Guilt Guide uh, for Witnessing, tells of a man by the name of John Currier who in 1949 was found guilty of murder and he was sentenced to life in prison. Well, later he was tra uh, transferred and he was paroled to work on a farm near Nashville, Tennessee. Then, in 1968, Currier's sentence was terminated. And later, uh, in a letter bearing the good news, was sent to him. But John never saw the letter, nor was he actually told anything about the letter. He had no idea that his sentence was terminated. And the life on the farm that he was working on, it was hard. And there was no promise of a future. Yet, John kept doing what he was told to do, even after the farmer who he worked for had died. Ten more years went by after that letter had been sent. No word of it. And he just kept working. 
Then a state parole officer learned of Courier's plight and found him and told him that his sentence had been terminated. He was a free man. Ten years went by, and he was supposed to be free, but he heard nothing about it. Sweeting concluded the story in his book. He said this, Would it matter to you if someone sent you an important message, the most important message of your life, and year after year, the urgent message was never delivered? You see, worship, it goes beyond the lights in the show. Worship goes beyond just the individual. Worship involves everything that we do to glorify God, and that includes, listen to me, being a witness to the lost. It's about community. You see, we who have heard the good news, those of us who have come and read the scriptures and accepted Christ into our lives, those of us who have heard the good news and experienced freedom through Christ, we are responsible to proclaim it to others that are still enslaved by sin. That's our responsibility, to spread that good news, to send those letters, to to inform people that they can be free. But the question then is, are we doing all that we can to make sure that people get the message? Are we doing everything that we can, everything in our power to ensure that people in our community are hearing about our Savior, Jesus Christ? Are, Are we being bold in our worship, or are we hiding it? Are we testifying about God, or are we afraid of what the community might think of us? I read a statistic this week that has terrified me. It says over over 100 million adults attend church weekly. And this is what really kind of threw me off. It said 49% are not even believers. The average Christian in America today will die without ever having shared his or her faith in, uh, in Christ with another person. That's astonishing. So the average person will die without ever sharing their faith. You see, true worship is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. Thus, your lifestyle must express the beauty of holiness through an exaggerated love for God. And listen, and for others. We've been studying this on Wednesday nights. It says that the greatest commandment is this, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Church, if we're going to be true worshipers, if we are going to, to make God the number one priority in our life, That means that we are going to be surrendering our all to him, which means his love is going to overwhelm us. And that love that he pours into our lives will then trickle from us and move toward others. That's the result of our response. We cannot proclaim to be Christians and true worshipers of God and ignore our community and ignore the hurting and ignore the hungry and ignore the lost. You see, a major part of our worship is being a witness to our community for Jesus Christ. Listen to this. It doesn't matter who you are. God can and will use you. Church, do do you hear me? We have been called to witness. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, you have been called to be a witness for our Father, for our Savior. I mean, mean, for example, let's go back to the text, okay? Let's, Let's look at the text here. 
Our text gives us some insight in what it looks like to be the kind of witness that God wants us to be. And it's interesting to see that the person that he uses is not the kind of person that we would first assume, right? The person that he uses to go spread the good news into the community, it was a woman who was a brand new convert. She had just met Jesus, and she was actually still living with a man outside of marriage. And she had almost no sound doctrine, and who has now had, she's had no training course in how to share her faith. I mean, she's this untrained woman, brand new convert, yet she was effectively evangelizing her entire village for Jesus Christ. It's mind-blowing. We need to understand that that in this culture, the testimony of a woman, much less a woman of ill repute like, like the Samaritan woman, it was completely disregarded. The Jews would not accept the testimony of a woman in court. This woman was notorious in such a small village for her lifestyle and her current live-in boyfriend. And most of the men in the village would have avoided having any contact with her at the risk of raising suspicions that they were wrongly involved with her. Yet, if, if you go back to the text, look what it says. It says that they listened to her and they responded to her invitation to go and see whether Jesus might be the Messiah. But then, look what happens. Jump all the way down to verse 39. And listen to this. It says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. And it said that many Samaritans from that town believed in him. You see, church, regardless of her reputation, regardless of what she had done, regardless of who she was and what people thought about her, they listened to her. You want to know why? Check this out. God uses the unlikely witness. Typically, when we think of people evangelizing and witness uh, and witnessing, we, we think of people like Billy Graham and Charles Stanley and Billy Sunday and Dwight Moody. These, I mean, these were strong men with powerful words and a large platform, and they did amazing work. And that's typically who we think of when we think of, of evangelizing. What we don't think of typically is we don't think about the quiet, poor individual who really doesn't have much to offer. Church, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what you look like, or how you dress. What matters is that we have been called by God to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus saved this woman. He showed her the way, and because she was willing, he was able to use her. She didn't make excuses. She didn't try to to hide and run. What did she do? It says that she went into the village. She completely ignored her reputation, and she went and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Church, what is holding us back? What excuses are we making? Jesus wants to use you. Are you allowing him to effectively use you? The first thing to know is God uses the unlikely witness. No matter our age, no matter where we're from, God can use us. Stop allowing the enemy to tell you that God can't use you. God can and will use you. We just have to be willing to be used. The second thing is this. God uses the witness of those who are excited about Jesus. Uh, As I read this story, I I really believe that the main reason this woman's witness was so effective was because she was excited about Jesus, and those who knew her could see the change. Before, she would not have spoken to any of them. She didn't, even, she didn't even want to speak to any of the other women in the village. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? She, she, she was by herself drawing water. 
She didn't want to speak to any of those women, which is probably why she was out at noon when no one else would be at the well. However, here she was, willing to bring up her own notoriously sinful past, exuberantly telling about this man whom she had just met. The change in her excitement about Jesus was evident. Excitement is contagious. When we are excited about something, it spreads to those around us. Uh, This past Christmas, Ashley and I were able to buy a toy that Addison really wanted. Uh, My daughter likes all things monsters and aliens and things. And and so in one of the catalogs we got, she circled this little alien. I mean, you could actually dissect the alien, and it's full of slime. And my daughter, let me tell you, loves slime. I mean, anything and everything slime. She wants to play with it. Well, we were able to get that alien for her, and when she opened it up, oh my goodness, she just screamed, slime! And she was so excited about this little alien toy that was full of slime. And she was so excited, and she was shouting, and just, just I mean, just exuberant. She was just screaming because she was so excited. And because of her excitement, listen, it, it immediately made Ashley and I just smile and laugh. Church, excitement is contagious. The Samaritan woman was excited about her encounter with Christ, and the excitement spread to those around her. When we worship with joy and excitement, it is contagious to those around us. When people see the church full of happiness and joy and excitement, they want to be a part of it. So let's get excited about Jesus. Let's, let's smile. Let's, 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 let's spread the excitement. When we worship, let's worship with excitement and joy. Let's worship so that everyone around us can see it and hear it. Because church, excitement is contagious. So number one, God uses the unlikely witness. Number two, God uses the witness of those who are excited about Jesus. And lastly, number three, God uses the witness of those who invite others to come to Jesus Christ. Look there at the story. Verse 40 says, When the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more believers came. You see, in light of the centuries of hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans, we've been studying that, the Samaritans' warm acceptance of Jesus is amazing. You, you see, the, the, the Holy Spirit can break down barriers that, would, that, 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 that the world has built. I mean, just, for example, go back to, to chapter 1 of the book of John. Uh, Nathaniel had to come and see Jesus for himself. And, and so now, at this woman's invitation to come, the Samaritans came to Jesus and came to believe that he is the Savior of the world. Church, are you listening? We have a message that needs to be told. Our worship, as we have said many times in this series, is more than just an hour on Sunday. Our worship includes the proclamation of Jesus Christ to our community. I remember growing up in Sunday school, there's an old song that says this, this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Church, are we going to let our light shine? It's my prayer that as we exit today, that we will continue to live a lifestyle of worship and that each of you will allow your light to shine so that everyone can see and experience Jesus Christ. Church, Let the light of Jesus Christ shine.